it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello and welcome to this episode of New Horizons. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks once again for your company. Ricky Chaplin was recently appointed Policy and Advocacy Team Leader with Blind Citizens Australia. I thought it was a very timely opportunity to get an update from Ricky about some events that have been happening around the country in terms of policy and advocacy and what we can look forward to seeing throughout the coming year. Ricky, welcome back. And uh, this is our first program together for 2021. It is, yeah. Happy New Year, mate. And uh, really good to be back. And uh, also big congratulations on your new role. Well deserved. Yeah, thank you. It's been a real pleasure uh, being given the opportunity to lead the policy and advocacy team. Um, it's, uh, you know, we, we've done a heap of work in the last few months and I, I couldn't be prouder of uh, the people that I'm working with. Uh, such a, an immense array of talent in that team. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a real privilege. And uh, you haven't been kicking your heels. You've been pretty busy. I gather some really good news on the uh, taxi front in Victoria. That's right. So, yeah, just last week it was announced that uh, Uber would receive subsidisation through the multi-purpose taxi program in Victoria. And uh, <clears throat> that's something that VCA has been involved with for a couple of years. We participated in the consultations uh, that the um, transport department down there ran regarding uh, taxi fares and you know how they should be how they should be managed, and one of the uh, issues that was raised was of course rideshare options, and of course we advocated strongly that uh, multiple rideshare options should be available to people who are blind or vision impaired and uh, who are eligible for the uh, multi-purpose taxi program. So yeah, really great development to see, and more importantly, I think it sets a precedent for other states to follow suit. Yeah, that's certainly what was going through my mind. But the other thing that uh, that goes through my mind at the moment, Ricky, given the um, tension around uh, such programs as the multi-purpose taxi scheme in Victoria and other schemes around the country, is uh, and and that centres around the uh, the talk that some states have had around those schemes being closed down to NDIS participants, which of course will include a significant number of our listeners and uh, a significant number of members of Blind Citizens Australia. And of course, if that proves successful, um, it's likely that when they factor in things like aged care programs and uh, other forms of funding that people have access to, that those schemes will be closed for those people as well. And I think the fact that they've expanded the program in Victoria, I think, sets a, a really good indication that um, perhaps they're not looking at doing that in Victoria. And perhaps we might have some more good news in the future in other states. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Vaughan. Um, of course, many people aren't eligible for the NDIS, and this is a point that we've made very strongly in our advocacy efforts to ensure that taxi subsidy schemes throughout the country remain open. And of course, uh, the NDIS was never actually meant to cover all transport costs. Um, and it was really up to the states to pull their weight as well. Uh, and contribute to uh, the cost associated with uh, providing people with accessible and uh, equal transport options. So 
Our work in this space, I don't believe, is finished by a long shot. And, of course, under-aged care, under, under my age care, uh, transport subsidies are not available. So, um, you know, there are a whole group of people there that still don't have equal access to uh, to transport subsidies uh, if these uh, taxi subsidy schemes are closed down. So, yeah, it's something we're going to keep our eye on very closely and uh, we'll advocate upon as needed. And I still can't get past the argument that the original uh, purpose behind establishing these schemes across the country was that it was seen to be cheaper to do that than to make public transport uh, ubiquitous over the entire, particularly in capital city areas, uh, but in, also in remote and regional areas, and also to make it completely and fully accessible to people who have disabilities. So, you know, there are places that public transport doesn't go, and, and there needs to be some recognition of the fact that whilst public transport has come a long way, it's still not completely there to the point where people with a disability can easily access wherever and whenever they choose. Yeah, and there are lots of variables with public transport. So, for example, there can be sudden uh, timetable changes. It can be quite complex to get from A to B, even if it's a relatively short distance. If you have to change multiple times on trains or buses or whichever form of transport you're using, particularly for something like getting to employment, for example, if you need to go and see family members every day, sometimes it's just not viable to use public transport on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And so, again, this is why it's so important that we advocate to keep the taxi subsidy schemes functioning in all states. Access to Uber in terms of the usability of the app, for example, uh, for those people who can use it, um, is, you know, it's hugely important and you know because it provides that that equal level of information to what you would receive um you know if you're a sighted person and using a similar app and you know you've, you've still got that option if that's the preference that you have and frankly i have to say i usually prefer uber these days i just i find the whole process a lot more seamless mm. um taxis are working i think from what i've seen um i just booked a taxi for a friend last night who was going home and i did you know find that process pretty good so i think they're, they're making some improvements there based on what uber has done i think they've really set a precedent and uh, you know that's the kind of access to information about where your ride is um who the driver is etc that we need and it's about our safety as well in terms of you know receiving that information so you know this is why these precedents are you know very important and we need to continue talking about them and raising awareness among other states and it's particularly important in Victoria because uh, Victoria you will be well aware uh, some probably 15 years ago took a very aggressive stance uh, in relation to the uh, multi-purpose taxi scheme in that they started capping people. Um, initially, it was to be capped at $550 a year, which for some is uh, a very aggressive approach that um, put jobs and um, volunteer work and all sorts of other things in jeopardy. Yeah, um, the capping of schemes, particularly for people who are blind or vision impaired, but of course for anybody with a disability that prevents them from easily using public transport is a real concern. Uh, it, it actually um, it creates greater inequality 
Um, I mean, imagine, for example, if you owned your own car and you were only allowed to use so much petrol per year um, or you're only allowed to spend so much money on maintaining the vehicle, etc. It would be a similar, a similar thing. It's called um, rationing. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if, if nobody else is rationed, then why should a person who's blind or vision impaired be rationed mm. uh, for a service that is, is so vital to their participation in the community? Mm. Mm, absolutely. But we're not just here to talk about transport, though, uh, Ricky. Last time we spoke, we were talking about the uh, uh, the upcoming BCA Inform event, which was around independent functional assessments, which was uh, put forward by the National Disability Insurance Agency for NDIS participants. Uh, that uh, particular activity uh, informed some of your advocacy work, and uh, you've been putting together submissions in that area. Do you want to give us a bit of an update on that? Sure. So Jane Britt and our new advocacy projects officer, Jackie Armstrong, who, of course, has a very strong background in, in policy development, um, they're working on several submissions regarding independent functional assessments. Uh, so the NDIA, the National Disability Insurance Agency, are running a consultation of their own. Um, and we have talked before about the concerns that we have around lack of specialist knowledge in regard to blindness and vision impairment, particularly in regional and rural areas um, of people who will be conducting these assessments. Um, so that's the kind of issue that we'll be trying to address in our submissions. So there's there's that one uh, that the NDIA are running. There's a joint standing committee uh, investigation uh, into the impacts of independent functional assessments. So obviously there's some concerns there, uh, even at, at federal level, that uh, still exist around that. Um, and that's that's really good to see, um, that we have the opportunity to contribute to that inquiry. Um, then uh, we've got a couple of submissions coming up also from the Disability Royal Commission. Uh, so there's one uh, that will be later in the year that's around uh, people who experience abuse in uh, family home settings uh, or in informal settings or even in group homes. There are people who are blind or vision impaired who live in, in uh, residential care facilities uh, and group home settings. So this is a really important submission as well for us to contribute to. Um, and it's a challenging group of people to reach because often people who are experiencing that kind of abuse um, won't be able to contact us very readily, and yet we have um, we have an obligation to represent the needs and interests of those people. So, you know, we look forward to contributing to uh, to that inquiry as well. I know of someone personally who lives in a group home and who routinely experiences not what you'd call physical abuse but certainly a lack of awareness among staff around what's um, required in communicating with a person who is deaf-blind. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, and he gets very distressed mm. by these incidents that occur quite regularly, and it's a matter of trying to continually educate staff and even managers who really don't seem to have a great deal of, of empathy towards his situation. So... You know, even in these in these homes, even if the abuse um, isn't quite so in your face, 
it's still there due to a lack of education of staff members. And I think that's the same goes for the public. Um, people aren't necessarily aware of how to communicate uh, with people who have specific needs. They're not necessarily uh, on top of what they're able to do to make life as comfortable as it can be for people with all sorts of different needs. So, yeah, I, I think we, we have a long way to go, uh, but it's it's encouraging that we've at least started down that path. And, of course, the Disability Royal Commission will play a significant part in that as uh, as hearings continue to happen and as discussions continue to happen over the next uh, two years or so. Uh, any word on whether they're extending that yet? I haven't heard of an extension. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened, however. Mm. Um, and, again, I think it's a timely reminder for people to get in touch with BCA if you're at all interested in... Uh, creating a submission to the Disability Royal Commission. I have maintained my focus uh, in that area, even though I'm now team leader and I'm sort of overseeing the whole team and the work that everyone is doing. Uh, one of the things I've elected to do is to keep working with people who wish to lodge submissions because I, I think it's such an Im important body of work and it takes people with particular skills uh, to be able to assist people most appropriately with that. Hmm. Even if you want advice and you want to create your own submission, I'm more than happy to uh, discuss with you um, approaches that you might take, recommendations that might be developed uh, in your submission. So, you know, we don't necessarily have to go through that whole process. Some people feel more comfortable with having it recorded and, uh, and transcribed. Other people feel that they're able to write out their own experiences. But, yeah, in any way possible, we're more than happy to help. Well, Ricky, thanks once again for joining us on the program. And uh, we will be talking to you at uh, various different times throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely, Vaughan. Looking forward to it. And uh, we'll keep you updated as required. Ricky Chaplin, Policy and Advocacy Team Leader with Blind Citizens Australia. If you'd like to speak with Ricky about putting in a submission to the Disability Royal Commission, then call 1-800-033-660, That's the BCA head office phone number, and ask to speak to Ricky. If you'd like to email bca at bca.org.au bca at bca.org.au If you'd like to donate to BCA, you can have a look at the website. There's a number of different ways in which you can do that. In the meantime, I'll talk to you again next week. Realisation of a dream Of a dream